today on Ag News Daily. I'm a risk manager. I'm not a I'm not a gambler. Um, I don't really do much for speculation. I want to make sure that whatever you have is protected. And so we we look at different types of options. Options being one of them. But you know everything has risk involved. Hey, listeners, welcome back to the Ag News Daily podcast. January 29th, wrapping up the last week of January 2024. You got just Tanner today bringing you the headlines and our Market Monday conversation. Might as well get right into the weather. Dense freezing fog again is expected for parts of eastern Iowa, northern Illinois, southern Wisconsin. According to the National Weather Service, it's kind of nice here in central Iowa to not have that be part of our issue today. Comes with this, some freezing fog creating slippery roads and other conditions. There might be freezing drizzle as the fog dissipates in the afternoon. Western Indiana could see a mix of rain, snow, and sleet as they hover around that freezing point today. Shortly after noon, the wintry mix will change into rain. There's very light accumulations expected. Of course, we had a pretty good moisture system move through the plains into the southeastern region of the United States. The forecast here in central Iowa is dry for the rest of this week and looking at temperatures in the 40s and 50s. Staying on the topic of Iowa, we did get some additional information coming out of an Iowa study that says soil conservation practices are on the rise. Beginning in 2017, the Iowa Nutrient Research and Education Council had worked with Iowa State University over a six-year period and local ag retailers to discuss the progressiveness of the adoption of conservation practices. The survey uses records from ag retailers to measure their use of cover crops, nutrient management strategies, and other conservation tillage practices and no-till by Iowa farmers. When they compared their latest data in 2022 to that of 2017, Researchers found that there was a significant increase in the adoption of these practices. Iowa's cover crop planting skyrocketed to 3.8 million acres over that first period of time. The nutrient reduction strategy is being implemented by a growing percentage of farmers. Of course, this makes Secretary Nag happy states that it's a combination of both public and private sectors putting programs and incentives together for farmers to use these at a higher level. Those 3.8 million acres of cover crops, which 16.6 of all corn and soybean acres in the state are now covered by these cover crops. 1.6 million was the comparison total in 2017, so more than doubling those results. No-till acres, in the state of Iowa, averaged 35.8%. Currently looking for additional participants to their data in 2024. If you head to agweb.com, you can get additional information there. A USDA study is confirming that facial recognition technology is having success in disease prediction for bovine. A collaborative study from My Animal and the USDA successfully corroborated that their technology is effective. We'll be having a conversation with 
co-founder and CEO here later this week to share more details on this, but their proprietary facial recognition software and deep learning technology has provided 99.4% accuracy in pink eye identification while it is still treatable and before it creates any issues. The U.S. Meat and Animal Research Center is sharing this level of results with people throughout the cattle industry. The early detection of disease is critical and are hoping for it also to transfer over to the swine industry. We're looking for more details on this coming soon. We did see that we've got some market moving news, but before that, agronomists are worried about the moisture deficits and if that's going to contribute to herbicide carryover. What we're seeing in Iowa is not a lot of runoff during this melt, but the snow is certainly welcomed. We also know that moisture plays a key role in breaking down herbicides in the soils, preventing that carryover from impacting the crops of the next growing season. When dry soil conditions persist, that carryover can become more prevalent and could be a concern. Megan Anderson from Iowa State University field agronomist stated that even with some moisture this winter, there will probably still be some issues. So producers need to think about that as they're planning their applications for next year. More than 90% of Iowa is experiencing extreme dryness and drought. According to the U.S. Drought Monitor, released at the end of January. But there are more producers outside of the state that are gonna be in the same conditions. Iowa farmers aren't alone. 33% of corn and soybean acres are experiencing the same issues. We'll continue to keep an eye on that, but farmers can't persuade mother nature to change its pattern and influence how those systems move through so you need to take a look at the options that are presented themselves. Corn and soybean growers can look at their rotation of herbicides as well as rotation of crop. Pay special attention to those 10 and 12 month restrictions on the labels as you're looking to make purchases on your chemicals this year. Kind of a lighter day on the news. So we'll hit a couple of market headlines before we jump into our Market Monday conversation. Rains and harvest progress in Brazil probably have a little bit of a negative impact on the markets today. We'll continue to keep an eye on their process there. Rains are forecasted in Brazil and Argentina for this week, creating favorable marketing or favorable production conditions for them. Also, harvest pressure is weighing on the global soybean prices this morning. Brazilian agribusinesses are, uh, and Ag Rural Agency announced that their harvest was 11% complete as of last Thursday, compared to a year ago of only being 5%. Rains across that Mato Grosso region and the southern state of Piranha are slowing harvest a little bit, but pace continues to be ahead of schedule. The Safrina corn crop planting was also reported at 11% complete as of Thursday, again, compared to the 5% last year. So those are probably having a little bit of a factor there. We're also seeing that the last Laker is leaving the port of Duluth on Superior. The locks will close for winter as the ice is becoming too thick. The Sioux locks at the St. Marie, Michigan port are now closed to traffic as of noon today. They will continue to keep traffic ceased until reopening. The target for reopening could be March 25th 
of course, weather conditions will ultimately dictate that. The Corps, Army Corps of Engineers are using their technology available to make the best predictions there. Of course, the Detroit district team is working long hours to ensure that they can accurately predict when those locks will reopen. We head over to Russia and Ukraine. President Zelensky did publish his income over a two-year period as an act to create some transparency in the EU. Hungarian foreign minister has also arrived in Ukraine to potentially talk the settlement options between Russia and Ukraine. According to the declaration, President and his family members received 10.8 million harvinas, which is the equivalent to 286,000 US dollars before the invasion of Ukraine, which was down 12 million harvinas before in 2020. He stated that his income is flat for 2023 after his report for 2022 came at 3.7, so nearly a third of what he had received in the past. Elsewhere, Russian missile strikes have struck an industrial district of central Ukraine on Sunday. Battles continue to go back and forth between Russia and Ukraine. But we're going to get into the markets here during our Market Monday conversation and we will get you the market close at that time. White listeners, it's a Market Monday, one of our favorite days of the week, and we've got a good friend back to join us. We've got Ashley, the Grain Lady. How you doing, Ashley? I'm doing good, Tanner. How are you? It's actually very beautiful up in the Dakotas right now, so I will take this spring-like weather. Besides the mud, uh, I would agree. It's a very nice day here in central Iowa as well. So why don't you reintroduce yourself to the listeners? Tell a little bit about your business and what you're doing to help farmers with their marketing. Yeah. So I do independent grain marketing for farmers. Uh, we focus on their calf needs, make sure that they're getting um, kind of the best bang for their buck, if you will. Uh, anything from understanding how futures moves to when the good time to set basis is. Uh, and everything in between. So we make marketing plans specific for their farms and uh, yeah, just help them with their goals. That's good. And you've got clients all over the Midwest, correct? Yeah. So I have farmers in North Dakota, South Dakota, Minnesota, Iowa, uh, and Ohio. I'm hoping to get into Nebraska here soon, but. Well, I don't know. Uh, their corn's not nearly as good as the corn in Iowa. So uh, I wouldn't push too hard for that. <laughs> well, before we start talking markets, could you give us a rundown of where they closed today? Yeah. So nearby uh, corn, March 24 corn closed down six uh, to 440 and a quarter. Uh, new crop corn closed down a penny and three quarters to 474 and a half. Uh, nearby soybeans closed down 15. Uh, to 11.94 and a quarter. That is probably the first time we've seen below 12. Gosh, for a while here. I'll have to look back in my notes when. Uh, new crop soybeans, they closed down four and three quarters to 11.80. And wheat, uh, Chicago wheat closed down six and three quarters to 5.93 and a half. And because I'm on and I care about spring wheat, I'm going to talk about spring wheat. Uh, (laughs) 
Springley closed down 11 and a half at 692 uh, for nearby. Yeah, that doesn't sound like there's much upward news, a lot of downward pressure. What's one of the headlines you've been focusing on? Yeah, so I mean, the biggest thing uh, we see coming in probably is weather in Argentina. Uh, we're seeing them get, you know, decent, decent weather, even though it's going to be a small crop, uh, still should be pretty good. Uh, exports, though, I mean, there, there really isn't a lot of, a lot of great news coming out. Uh, export numbers were not great. Uh, last week we saw soybeans uh, exports were, you know, down 54% year over year uh, from last year. So it was 889,000 metric tons. Uh, wheat, I mean, we're seeing less demand for wheat as well. Uh, you're seeing managed money. Uh, I would say managed money is probably a big thing that some people are seeing. You're seeing managed money for corn. They have a net short of 265,000 contracts. And uh, I think soybeans are 91,000 net short. So definitely uh, not great to say the least, Bob. But <laughs> it's um, yes. it's not good. I mean, th this, is, this is the biggest short uh, since February of 2020 for soybeans. Uh, and this is probably, this is the most bearish that we've seen for corn since 2019 and 2020 as well. Yeah, I saw those headlines around how the managed funds were continuing to boost their short positions. I know that there's a headline we talked about last year that involves ADM or last week that we talked about with ADM. Could you expand a little bit about what types of pressure that's putting on the market? I just, I think it's giving the farmers a little bit more concern about what's going on with their crop after it leaves their bins. Um, I think it's going to be something that agribusiness business as a whole has to look into uh, as far as, you know, are we as profitable as we're showing to our shareholders and such? And so, you know, it started out with accounting practices around their uh, nutri nutrition division. And since then, I mean, they've, they've gone into a little bit more uh, digging, if you will. And I think, I don't think it's over with. I think you're going to see that kind of go up the up the courts. I mean, we're also seeing Louis Dreyfus um, get sued by uh, Glencore and Vitera uh, over stuff that or over cotton that happened in 2011. And so I don't know if that's going to be. I just think there's a lot of stuff going on in agribusiness that farmers are watching. Yeah, and it certainly is going to make our listeners a little bit leery. Mm -hmm. I know when you talked about the weather in South America, we also need to look at how our dollar is comparing to yeah. our trading partners. What's that market look like? Yeah, I mean, we're seeing the U.S. dollar be pretty strong. Um, and every time that we see the U.S. dollar continue to rise uh, against, the, you know, the Brazilian real, uh, it <laughs> it doesn't help our exports. I mean, we're already seeing export numbers not the greatest as they are. And then every time that the dollar continues to go up, um, it makes outside buyers uh, even less willing to buy our products versus other places because it just makes it more expensive for them. So 
if we can't export the crop, I know that you work a lot, like you said, with the cash needs of your clients. Mm -hmm. What's the basis been telling us about the demand here domestically? Basis has been staying pretty, pretty firm. Um, I haven't seen anybody pushing too much. I've seen some corn basis get a little bit better. And I would honestly chalk that up to a lot of guys not buying into the free DP module. Um, I know I have that conversation with my guys a lot talking about it's not it's not really, you know, free delayed pricing. It's it's very much so they're getting to use your bushels for free. And as long as that works for you, you just have to understand that that's what it's for. And typically, if a lot of people utilize that, um, it suppresses the basis because they don't have to, I guess, bid up for it. So I am, I am, you know, cautious, cautiously optimistic that we're going to see basis probably perk up here in the next couple of weeks over the simple fact that if, you know, if we continue to see the the markets where they are um say either stagnant to lower i think to get some of these farmers to start moving you're gonna have to probably have the basis do some of the work yeah that makes a lot of sense i think that's kind of the same when people tell me they get a large tax refund and you explain yeah. to them that the government just used your money for six to 12 months and without paying it back you, to you exactly yeah without paying you any interest on it so i I implore people just to understand what the, the stuff on the other side is doing. Nothing's free. No, no free lunch around here. And that's fair. So as you talk with those clients of yours that might not have as much sold as they wish, what types of plans are you putting in place? Um, so I actually just, <laughs> I actually just picked up two farmers uh, that are 0% sold for 23 and 24. And so I chalk that up to basically putting on a a seatbelt as the semi is crashing into you. But we are having conversations over, um, you know, what can we see as far as what futures can do for us, um, understanding what our break evens are. And so, if you know, if our if our break evens are still five dollars and we're in a four, you know, four to sub four number. Uh, what type of premiums do we have to go for? And then what type of contract options do we have? And so do we have to do some stuff on the board as well to probably offset some of our risk? Because um, everything is about risk management. I, I kind of make sure that I put that in the forefront whenever I sign up anybody. I'm a risk manager. Risk manager. I'm not a, not a gambler. Um, I don't really do much for speculation. I want to make sure that whatever you have is protected. And so we we look at different types of options, options being one of them, but, um, you know, everything has risk involved. So definitely uh, we look at different types of contracts and just figuring out, you know, what guys are used to. So, if, you know, guys are cash, cash people and they've never done it, you know, an HTA contract or a basis contract, helping them understand that typically locking in full cash by itself isn't always the best option. And, you know, if you lock in one side versus the other, you can usually get the other, you know, usually you get a better price regardless of, or, you know, depending upon what type of market you're in. Um, and then if they already do that, then we talk about forward sales. And so what are we looking at 24 crop? What are we looking at 25 crop? I know I see some people kind of give me some crap on, 
on Twitter or X or whatever you want to call it. Um, but I mean, I have sales on for 25. I'll, I'll be the first to admit that. Uh, and that's just because this is typically around the time, you know, 18 months prior to when the contract expires that we get the best prices. And so we go off of sound reasoning to make our contracts, basically. Yeah, I like that a lot. And if you did anything for our listeners today, you might make them feel a little bit better about themselves if they're <laughs> not in the 0% sold for 23 category. Yeah. Uh, certainly some others have a little bit larger road to hoe. Uh, but for our listeners, let them know how they can find you if they want to reach out and ask you some more questions. Twitter X is probably the easiest way to get a hold of me. Um, I'm the Grain Lady with two E's. Uh, that's easiest way. I have DMs there. Um, you can probably find me on LinkedIn as well, but or TikTok too. I'm on there. But awesome. Well, thanks again for hanging out with us. Yeah. Thanks, Tanner. You bet. We'll see you.